This is Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to the Friday Morning Break with John Gibbs. This week, my guests, Ione Abdi and Fraser Soans, who were both in Year 13 in 2020, as the lockdown started and exams were cancelled. I'm looking at their experiences since that time. 2020 was also the year I retired, and we reflect on what it was like to live through the years when school stopped. This is Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in at ttradio.org or download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in with Teachers Talk Radio. And we're back. This week, I'd like you to cast your mind back to March 2020. Not particularly a time any of us won't really want to remember. I'd been teaching for just short of four decades. and wasn't really thinking so urgently of retirement, although I was making some plans. I remember hearing that schools would close and that we were facing a lockdown. And exams would be cancelled. And I didn't realise at first that teaching online and being at home would lead me to deciding to retire. My guests this week, Irony and Fraser, were both in year 13 at the time. And in March of year 13, like most students at that period, were beginning to worry about their exams. Courses were beginning to finish. A-levels starting to mention the word revision and exam prep and learning from the mocks. But all that came abruptly to an end. So join me for the next hour or so as we look back on 2020 and ask whether this was one of the unluckiest times to be completing your school education and heading off to university, normally one of the most exciting and happy times. So uh, I can announce today and uh, Gavin Williamson is making a, a, a statement now in the, in the House of Commons that after schools shut their gates from Friday afternoon, they will remain closed for most pupils, for the vast majority of pupils, until further notice. So, Ione and Fraser, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Friday morning break. March 20th, 2020, you came into school well, it wasn't like any ordinary day, I'm guessing, because there were lots of things going on in the news. You knew there was a virus around. We'd watch what was going on in Italy. There were rumours of school closures, but finally it happened. The school was closed and exams were cancelled. Arnie, can you tell me how that felt? Yeah, I don't know. It was a really weird time, um, especially because I don't think like anything like that had ever happened before. Like I don't think there's ever been a point in time where students sitting exams have just not been able to sit exams so at first I just kind of didn't believe it was actually happening I was like what the hell is going on um and yeah I don't know it was definitely a weird time and I think both bad but also like slightly positive 
I think I was very like underprepared at the time to sit exams because our school was just not good. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just a very weird time. I didn't know what to expect, but yeah, I don't know. Well, you're right. It was a very unequal effect. Some schools mm -hmm. were all set up for, for uh, well, they weren't set up for lockdown because no one could predict that, but they were, they were better able to deal with it than the school you were at. And that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that didn't deal with it very well. So you just were told to go away <laughs> yeah. in a way and there yeah. wouldn't be any exams. Fraser, so when you heard there wouldn't be any exams, were you relieved or just um, like, what does, what does that mean? I think one thing I could definitely say was I was a bit like, oh, okay. You know, that sort of feeling where it's like, oh, okay, you just like passively accept it. You don't really know of what effect that will take. It was probably because of the way I acted during school, where like every Friday I would just go to the library just because I had nothing better to do at that time. So I just like go over school stuff, um, catch up on things, do extra things for myself and so on. And so I guess when I heard that there were no exams, it was sort of like the passive acceptance, but also like they're probably going to look back at the stuff I did before during my off time and be like, use that to gauge my progress in that sense so i was yeah, like kind of relieved well exactly I, I was slightly relieved i didn't know i was going to necessarily choose to retire at the end of that year but i i for a teacher exams are almost as nerve-wracking as students i wouldn't say they are as nerve-wracking as students but almost so there was a feeling of well oh well so now what a sort of it's a bit as you say an empty acceptance that probably this would work out okay in some way they couldn't possibly just cancel exams and not give anyone any grades so something would be done and then what they decided to do was run an algorithm uh, a device which would keep the results the same level as they had been in previous years and of course that all went horribly pear-shaped so when you realize that initially teachers were going to give you assessed, assessed grades and then it would be put through some sort of process that not even the teachers fully understood. Again, did you just sit, sit back and think this will work out or were you getting nervous, Aini? I think um, probably in the beginning I was quite optimistic. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, at the time, I remember thinking, like, there's no way that, because this is such like a new situation, I'm sure they would do like the necessary precautions to make sure that you know, my grade is an actual reflection of like the work that I put in. And I remember talking to like my friends about it at other schools. Um, and I think the only time I started thinking, oh, wait, this is actually going, or has the potential to go really, really badly, was they were just kind of like, yeah, I don't think anyone at all is prepared for this, even the government. And like going through the ideas of like what this algorithm could even be, it doesn't really feel like it could be fair. Like it doesn't really make sense to base your grade off of loads of other people who've gone to your school who aren't you who've never like you know put in the effort that you do or who aren't just yeah who just aren't you and I think from that point onwards I was starting to get a bit kind of shaky about the idea but I still had this optimism because I had a phone call as well from um like someone who worked at our school and basically they told me yeah like I can't obviously 
give specifics about your grades or anything like that but I just want you to know like you'll be able to get to where you need to be like it's very vague like phone call and so I just kind of you know inferred I was like reading through the lines I was like okay so this surely means you know my work throughout the year will be like understood I'll be able to get to like my firm uni this is fine um so yeah I was like kind of getting more panicked but also at the same time holding out on the hope that things will actually just be fine yeah yeah, Fraser, when you went off to, to Sheffield University to study philosophy, mm-hmm. did, did you talk to any fellow students who got there, all arriving in the same sort of boat as you, and say, what, you know, what just happened? Were you feeling <sighs> a bit shell-shocked? Um, funnily enough, not really. I think because I felt different compared to other students because of how I've been affected by this algorithm, I didn't really talk to most students about what happened. Info, technically, as a country, we were all in the same boat. We were still under the same algorithm. Um, I didn't really talk that much to people about what results they got or how it affected them in that sort of way, because um, I felt like I was just a special case. I felt like I was just different. And so because of how I've been affected, I was like, I'm just not going to bring it up. I'm just going to go through the next few years and just (laughs) do you just pretend stuff. that didn't yeah. happen. Yeah, exactly. Just pretend <laughs> it didn't happen. Yeah. But all the students arriving in your year had just been through lockdowns at school, probably being taught online. Then the uncertainty of an algorithm that was announced by the by the education secretary Gavin, Gavin Williamson, and then and then then renounced and got rid of when there was an enormous outcry against its unfairness because what it was seen to have done was uh, discriminate quite significantly against schools and against individual students on the basis, as you said, Arnie, that they were going to judge you on the basis of how school, how your school generally did. Well, that simply, that struck a nerve, didn't it, across the nation? People thought that, that, that can't be fair. So if you went to a school with privilege, you'd be privileged. And if you went to a school which was, had difficulties, that would be difficult again this year. So it baked into the system unfairness. And then bit by bit, they went back on that. They relied on teachers' grades and off you went to uni. Now, when you arrived, did did people around you say, just the same question I asked Fraser, were were students from your year, the new new ones, going, um, well, uh, this is, uh, what what, what, what just happened there? How did people talk about it? Yeah, I didn't, it was really, really, I think, I don't know. I feel like the idea of kind of not having... um, like exact grades and things like that. Obviously, the situation kind of got rectified with the teacher assessed grades. But um, I think at Cambridge, especially, like a lot of there is a big emphasis on the grades that you have in terms of getting in. Like there'll be people who will get an offer, do the interviews, pass them, but then will miss like a grade and that will obviously impact them because they won't get in and stuff like that. So I think for a lot of people, especially for the people who are most likely to kind of be affected by all of that, who en- still ended up getting in, like people in my case, there was a lot more kind of imposter syndrome being at uni and feeling like, okay, like I'm here because I got these grades, but I didn't actually set any exams. So how does that work? Like, am I actually supposed to be here? And, you know, in, in a normal situation, you could have just justified that and said, you know, I worked hard. I sat an exam, I got here. But not having that kind of like security, it was a very weird being at uni and kind of walking around and feeling like you don't really belong there because you haven't worked to get there almost. And and for you, there was going to be, in a sense, a, a, an even greater feeling of possible imposter syndrome. I think anyone goes to uni, they have, there's, a, there's a danger of that. You know? Yeah. But but 
you went to Cambridge and you were doing uh, human, social and political sciences. And but then again, I was thinking about that of, of your generation, how you must have think, thought, oh, aren't other people going to look at us and say, well, they didn't actually take exams, you know. But then everyone in your year was in the same boat. Whether mm-hmm. they went to a private school or a state school, they'd all been effectively been through a crisis which had given them grades by this new method or this one-time-only method. So did, did our fellow students talk to you about it? Um, I guess not beyond that. I guess just kind of feeling imposter syndrome and that sort of stuff. I think it definitely impacted the way we socialised a lot because like the pandemic was kind of ongoing when we were freshers. And that was like a big, I think that was maybe like the most difficult thing and having kind of like online lessons and that kind of stuff. That's probably like the biggest kind of impact we saw. So did you both not get that famously uh, enjoyable experience uh, freshers, Freshers Week? You didn't didn't arrive and there'd be parties and get-togethers and drinks and meet the staff and meet the students, nothing like that at all. What happened when you arrived in uni? Uh, Funnily enough, John, I feel like I have a really different experience in that whole segment of Freshers' Week. I felt like if I had an actual Freshers' Week, I'd have more of an imposter syndrome doing the actual Freshers' Week stuff compared to what we had during lockdown where it's like behind a monitor and stuff and that's because um in my generation i'm guessing one of these few people who um they're actively online a lot more and so the first year when we were actually still in lockdown doing online apps that sort of stuff i really felt confident i guess because i was brought up around being digital rather than in person so i felt like if it got flipped to where it was the norm instead where like we went to parties we met each other in real life and that sort of stuff i would have felt a strong sense of, of imposter syndrome compared to maybe like amy who was probably going to be put in the same circumstances as me but probably would have felt like an opposite reaction maybe well, that's true i, I, I like that I, that's that's true there's a lot of your generation I'm sounding rather old now, aren't I? Really? Your generation, yeah. <laughs> you youngins, um, who uh, who have who have, will, you won't be, you're no strangers to, to sitting in front of a laptop as we're doing now and talking to people and attending meetings virtually and things of that kind. But there is, of course, that other thing. There is there is the the the, the, um, the whole idea that the, the word university, the name university, comes from some like community of scholars or community of people learning together. And yet, you weren't much of a community at the beginning. So what we what so what happened, Arnie? We, you were just off. There's your hall of residence. In you go, open up the laptop. Yeah, it was so weird. Like I think every single component that's kind of sold to you of like college life is just completely broken down. Like we were kind of stuck and only really allowed to socialize with people in your household. Um, which for me was maybe like the worst thing ever <laughs> because, you know, they're probably like really chill people. That was like, aspect was like not bad, but I think being in Cambridge, it's like such a like severe culture shock meeting people who are like so from outside of your world. Um, I think it was just difficult being kind of limited to only communicate with these people because I feel like when you're at Cambridge and you're coming from like a disadvantaged background, it's so important to find other people who have like a similar background to you that you can like have feel like you're kind of grounded almost, right? Like you can feel like, okay, I'm not like a total alien in this like new world. 
and with the um covid and like freshers you just completely lost that i remember like in i think on the first day i got there we kind of were all sat together in someone's room me and like four of the people i'd never met before and there were all these questions about oh like what school did you go to and people were started talking about eton and like all these other random really really you know prestigious private schools and things like that and i felt so out of my element i was like okay well i don't like i don't know why you're asking this to begin with like, you're not going to know my school <laughs> and things like that and at that moment i just thought maybe this really really isn't for me so i think the whole like covid um in fresh it just made it really isolating and it was a really really kind of it it made it so much more difficult for me to socialize and feel grounded in my college this show is brought to you in partnership with john cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases use the code jcttr 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In August 2020, the BBC interviewed Education Secretary Gavin Williamson and what was rapidly becoming known as the algorithm fiasco. Given the stress, uh, the anguish, etc., which has been caused to so many thousands of students, their parents, their teachers, have you spoken to Boris Johnson? Have you spoken to Boris Johnson? Of course, yes. And when it became, uh, did you offer your when resignation? It became, when it be when it became apparent that no, despite the actions that we had already taken in terms of working with Ofcourt Wall, in terms of getting the reassurance, the absolute reassurance from um, you know those involved in the system in developing it, that this was a fair and the most robust system that we could have uh, put in Secretary, place before. I need before to ask you that question just once I, again because you've uh, not answered we, it. Did we, you offer we, your resignation and uh, will you offer your resignation or not? We, uh, of course, I spoke with the Prime Minister, explained the situation, the fact that we needed to move to centre assessed grades because we, it was the fairest uh, system and the right system to do. And just one last, one last time, you haven't answered that question yet. Will you resign? Uh, what we're doing is we're focusing on delivering the grades for those children. We're making sure that we're going to uh, make sure that all schools are returned. And I'm absolutely determined uh, over the coming year that I'm going to be delivering the world's best education system, the improvements and reforms that we've made on the, like, over the last 10 years. They need to be built on. That's what our focus is. That's what my focus is on. And that's what the Prime Minister's focus is. You're listening to the Friday Morning Break with John Gibbs. My guests this week, Arnie and Fraser, and we're discussing their experience of being in year 13 when lockdown closed the schools in March 2020. And we, you were both the first in your generation to go to university. Did your parents go? No, remember. yeah. No, I, know, I, don't first, know. I don't think you did. Sure. No. 
So there you were, off at, uh, off at uni. And yeah, I, I take your point there. You, you, you would have sought out the people who were fellows of your, you know, like you, people who share that experience. I know other people have gone to Cambridge and Oxford and Sheffield and universities like that. And you find the people who went to a comprehensive school mm-hmm. <laughs> and they yeah. share that. So you were stuck with, well, a little band of people who were thrust together whether they liked it or not. Yeah. So Fraser, where were you? So you did they, you got first year accommodation? Yeah. Um, so for my first year, I took like student accommodation. And I did a second year also because I decided I already experienced this for one year. I'm going to do it again for a second year. So for the first two years, I did student accommodation. Um, again, this whole idea of imposter syndrome popped up where sort of like I wasn't really comfortable interacting with people in real life which is weird because i've known amy for years and i can interact with her perfectly fine it, whether it's in person or digital or whatever it is just because we've known each other for that long but it's this weird sense of imposter syndrome where it's sort of like i never really interacted with my flatmates because i felt like i was really different to them and so again i have this weird thing where it's sort of like throughout covid and throughout second year as like restrictions started to get lifted off i was like perfectly comfortable with all the restrict restrictions while probably many other people were like panicking because it was like such a big change to their life where it was sort of like oh i'm not allowed to go i'm not really allowed permitted sorry to go outside that much um i don't know how this is going to look because we don't know what the future is going to be like it's all this uncertainty with lockdown and how things are going to get lifted off over time and that sort of stuff and how this is going to affect my education and my job prospects and all of that whereas i guess there's this common element with me where it's sort of like i'm very passive it's just like stuff happens and it's sort of like i just take a step back well, uh, Fraser, you, you're studying philosophy i mean if, if you can yeah. take a philosophical view of things then <laughs> um but, yeah but how, how bad i mean how bad did it get because there were pictures on the news i remember by then i think i'd retired and I can see the, the the pictures of students holding pictures, things up at windows saying, let me out, or <laughs> and food being passed into them and stuff like that. I mean, they really locked down very seriously at one point. And students were basically told to stay in their halls. And yeah. Not go out. Not go um, out. That was, I think that was definitely impactful in a negative way for a lot of people, including some of my roommates in the first year i could tell like you know there was like stress i was getting to them it wasn't really because of uni it was because of this social aspect because mm-hmm. one of the important aspects of going to university is sort of like this social aspect is it's this community that you brought up it's like getting to know people making connections so that even after university or during university uh you know these people and you can go to these people you can collaborate on different things and you have connections as you go into life and that sort of thing and so covid as a pandemic uh hit hit us with all of that and it was very hard to make those connections it was very hard to like be social animals as we are yeah yeah and so it it definitely did affect a lot of people even if it didn't affect me as much i know that it affected a lot of people and it contributed to like really bad mental health which is unfortunate to say oh completely and that's i mean there's there's an issue for uni universities anyway that don't deal particularly well i have been accounts of that they don't do particularly well with students in the ordinary case of being away from home and being lonely and, and feeling the sudden pressures of work you know unis aren't always good at dealing with that and now you're basically uh, on house arrest <laughs> so 
Arnie, how's it for you? Were you were you literally can't like leave the front door for some weeks? I mean, the second lockdown yeah. I think was one of the most severe. Yeah, I remember like kind of. I don't know if it was. Yeah, I think it was during the second lockdown. I had like this really kind of weird situation that I was in where I think I just got COVID like before coming to university. Um, and at my uni, they made us kind of take like weekly tests and you'd have to kind of send in your result um, to kind of figure out who like who's infected or whatever, like, you know, who we needed to isolate and whatnot. And I remember that being especially difficult where I was in this kind of weird gray area, gray area recovering from COVID. But like I wasn't um, like I wasn't able to pass it on to other people, but I was still in a position where I had to isolate. And it was so kind of difficult dealing with that. And I remember when I was isolating, it was like, oh, my God, it was very rough not being able to kind of talk to people or anything like that, even though I didn't have COVID at the time. Were your parents worried? I mean, you're getting phone calls saying, come home. Or... Yeah, it was it was very, very like, I didn't know. I think my mum wasn't so panicked about it because I think at, like at least we kind of knew, you know, with like the weekly testing and stuff like that. But I think the thing that kind of made it more difficult as well is during the end of that term, there was like I think at that point the lockdown was like in full effect and we weren't necessarily like allowed to leave university it was, it was a really weird situation where like this whole lockdown made it really really difficult to go back home um but obviously like, I can't stay in uni and my college was sending us emails like yeah because of this you're not necessarily allowed to leave um and you guys will just have to pay rent but we'll just kind of subsidize it for you but you also have to pay rent which and that was like in really really difficult to kind of deal with so I think that was like the biggest problem yeah. for me during that second lockdown. I, I'm very glad you brought up the topic of money because uh, fees are no small thing and you've all got you've now acquired a certain amount of student debt for getting an experience which was not at all like the experience you might have expected to get and yet we charge the same. And I know that that is working its way through the courts and the, and the High Court has recently agreed that students can challenge this. And whether that what that results in, we shall see. But essentially, you have paid for an experience. And was there a lot of grumbling and annoyance at your unis with this? Fraser? For sure. I think uh, in my experience at my uni, um, any may be able to add or subtract to this. I have no idea. But in University of Sheffield, I've had a lot of colleagues who would get into very emotional outbursts whenever something would happen and then talk about, oh, my my experience was ruined because of COVID and this and that. And like, I understand that people at universities, I want to say most of the time, because I feel like some of the time there may be a small percent where it's like they, they could do better. Um, but I know that a lot of them are trying their best because technically even though we're not the ones that have control over this sort of situation, they are trying their best, even if they do not have total control themselves. So it doesn't help sometimes that sometimes we get other students who they're rightfully annoyed, but there's like this big emotional outburst about this whole experience, because I feel like something about these events that go on recently over the past few years, it can make you seem very like short-sighted at the grand scheme of things and so you just only recognize what you see yourself and how it affects you and then it creates like this very negative attitude towards a lot of things so so i get crazy that you don't you don't feel particularly cheated but Arnie, do you do you feel that you were kind of let down in a way 
Um, kind of. I don't know. It's difficult because I don't. I feel like everyone who kind of like all the academics in university, they were kind of working with the kind of like situation that we were given. There was not much we could have done to kind of make the university experience any better, whilst also like prioritizing everyone's health and making sure that universities were a safe environment for everyone there. But equally, I think seeing new people come in now, like freshers coming into university this year, or even the year below us, like there is a big difference in how like they interact with like university I've noticed versus our year group. I've heard people make the comparison that like our year group is a lot more clicky or was a lot more clicky and kind of the friendship groups were really kind of sealed off because we were basically only allowed to communicate with like four people in first year. So things like that kind of make me think, feel kind of envious towards people in the young years and think maybe we were slightly cheated or, you know, not given the real experience. But also, I don't know, I still enjoyed my university life and things like that. Well, let's go back now to the third lockdown, which, which began in January the 6th, 2021 and continued through till March. So a full year after the first lockdown, the government announced a roadmap out of lockdowns and various tests that they would have to, or criteria they'd have to meet in order for lockdowns to an end. Well, I guess bit by bit, as the lockdowns came to an end, you both were able to, well, start being students. Were you, after this strange start, were you able to enjoy being a student, Irony? I think it definitely felt, um, I think it definitely felt odd for me. I feel like I kind of struggled to socialise for a long kind of like, for a long time and not felt like as confident as I probably would have been in any other scenario where I just kind of joined as a fresher um, to like join societies and things like that. Um, yeah, I just, I just think being kind of first, when you when you first join university, that's like a very like precious time. I think losing that, there's not much ways, you know, you can like regain that experience later on in your university, like career. I don't know. Maybe I'm being like overly pessimistic about it, but I feel like it's a lot difficult to jump into things as you would have done in first year when you were in like second or third year. So I think in that way, it was kind of had a long lasting impact. Yeah, it was really hard to know what the lasting impact would be. I mean, I think we all felt a certain disorientation coming out of the lockdown. I know I did. I'd made the decision to retire. I'd quite enjoyed lockdown in some aspects. I mean, I'm guiltily saying that now, but I know awful experiences many people had. But I was forced at home, and fortunately home was a comfortable place, and my daughter, who joined us before lockdown, was trapped at home with us. Uh, my other daughter in London. We were all safe. Um, it was, of course, worrying, but there was a sense in which I almost didn't want ordinary life to quite return, as if something i wanted something important to have happened fraser how did it feel to you when you went back i'm, I'm thinking right now because i'm trying to recollect my experience i feel like in those seminar groups and those lecture theaters um there's definitely this mm. feeling that i had where you didn't know so let's say a lecturer or a seminar person would ask a question because you didn't have those first impressions back in the first year, as you normally would have, it was more online. Um, for my first year online, again, I was very confident, so I would uh, answer a lot of questions because that was how I am. But when it went, came into in-person, you didn't really have those same first impressions because you didn't really know who's who, except for in that moment when you guys first meet. And so 
when you get asked a question, you kind of have this feeling of who's going to answer this, who's going to participate, who's going to be that person who like raises their voice, be that person of the group. There's sort of this sense of like uncertainty when you're going back into in person, and I think that captured a lot of the experience at the start. Yeah. yeah. And by the second year, things are pretty much getting back to normal, and you can you can enjoy. The, the, the more ordinary experience and so did you find you, that you were joining clubs and becoming more involved in the wider life of the uni? I would say so yeah although honestly I think I think in my second year I don't think I kind of joined like as many societies or anything like that I feel like I was still kind of just mainly focused on studying and hanging out with friends and stuff like that I think I only really pushed myself out more in third year so like my final year to do like join societies and things like that i think in second year i was still kind of i don't know maybe it just didn't click in my head like entirely that covid was officially over and like you could do all of these things and whatnot so i think i don't know yeah in my second year i definitely wasn't as social as i i think i was in my final year how about you fraser did did, the, did you grace the corridors of the philosophy club and the existentialist group um god this is, this is going to be so weird to talk about, actually talking about it for the first time. Um, my first year, I tried a debating society because I thought, okay, since I'm doing philosophy yeah. and it's kind of based, it's kind of like argumentative in a sense, I was like, I'm going to try the debating society. So I tried that in my first year, it was online, but there were like some, actually no, there wasn't, there wasn't any in-person things, it was completely online. Uh, midway through, I was like, I don't like this. I actually don't like the debating society, which was weird because then it kickstarted a bunch of other things for me in my degree where I was sort of like, what is philosophy? Which is completely strange because it's like this idea of like, in philosophy, you're meant to ask questions. Are you going to like these deep topics? And if you tell someone you're a philosopher, they'll think, oh, that's really deep. You must be really smart. But my whole experience for those three years, like pre-COVID, post-COVID, all that sort of stuff. I was using my philosophy skills to get out of philosophy and actually be like, I don't like this stuff, which is really weird. And I think this is why I didn't really join any clubs in the second year. But in my third year, I joined a philosophy journal club. So I was like a customer services lead. So I'd like be a representative for this club and I talked to authors and stuff because we'd made like a compilation of essays and we put them into a journal and I, I actually really enjoyed that but I don't know whether it was because it was something I wanted to do which was like more customer services talking to people that sort of stuff or whether it was actually because of philosophy as a whole so yeah many more families are going to lose loved ones before their time. It might be two weeks time, it might be four months time, it might be 12 months time, who knows? How on earth did it come to this? Did it come to this? Did it come to this? In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly and access actionable data that drives student success. 
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Guardian reports on AQA plans to have pupils complete parts of some exams digitally in 2026. The announcement from England's biggest exam board means exams could begin to look very different as it says it will begin testing GCSE students on laptops for a small number of courses from next year. Parts of GCSE Italian and GCSE Polish by 2026 with other subjects, potentially English, likely to be included by 2030. The exam board said technology and change are two constants in education and that moving to digital exams is the next step. According to the Guardian report, pupils will still be supervised in an exam room and will be offline, so they will not be able to access search engines or artificial intelligence tools. Some head teachers have welcomed the move, with Askell describing it as encouraging, as reliance on pen and paper was outdated, but others have been less convinced. Melissa Prunty, chair of the National Handwriting Association, made the link between handwriting, reading and spelling, particularly at ages between four and six. She also said that the key to writing, either by hand or typing, was speed and fluency, and pointed out that it's not something that you can just roll out and think it's inclusive. You have to teach typing and it needs practice. Since the announcement, professionals and researchers, as well as teachers, have continued the debate on social media. Secondary school performance data for England has been in the headlines with the TES magazine presenting analysis of the results after a three-year pandemic hiatus. The article highlights a variety of trends and points to consider, but also warns against making basic comparisons between schools as many face ongoing disruptions post-COVID. The key points include a widening of the disadvantage gap, now at its widest since 2011. Unions, school leaders and educational researchers all expressed dismay at this, and called on government and prospective governments to make this a core focus moving forward. EBAC entries have stagnated in the latest figures. The Department for Education has set a target of students entering the EBAC subjects at 75% for 2024 and 90% in 2027. The new data shows that current figures are at 39.3%, with languages continuing to be the main stumbling block. Regional differences also remain. The North East has the lowest average Progress 8 score and Outer London has the highest. This North-South gap has increased since the pandemic. However, some more detailed analysis of like-for-like schools in the North and South suggests comparable outcomes when other factors such as prior attainment are taken into consideration. There was a difference in progress for boys and girls, with girls achieving an average of one-tenth of a grade more than expected. Attainment 8 also dropped as a result of Ofqual's approach to returning exams to normal following COVID. Full details of the TES analysis can be found online. The Guardian also carried a report on changes to how poor behaviour will be responded to in the state of California in the United States. At least 25 states and the District of Columbia allow schools to suspend pupils for willful defiance. But California has become the first state to ban such suspensions for all students. The definition of willful defiance has been criticised by US education researchers as being overly broad 
and they have also made links to the use of suspensions being disproportionate in some ethnic groups. The article prompted debate on X, formerly known as Twitter, amongst many in education, although the impact of California's discussions and decisions will only be revealed over time. Finally, the BBC reports that blue shirts and chinos have been banned by Cardiff University Students' Union due to dangerous behaviour from some students. Any people wearing the outfit, typically associated with some sports clubs, will be refused entry to its Wednesday night club night. The Student Union has said the measure is temporary and in response to the behaviour of some male students earlier this month. Since the ban, a marked improvement in behaviour has been seen. The ban does not apply to any buildings other than the Students' Union, which acts independently of the university. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. University students across the UK have been speaking of their fears and frustrations after being forced into lockdown. 1,700 students in Manchester have been told to self-isolate in their rooms on campus for 14 days after 127 of them contracted coronavirus. In Scotland, meanwhile, thousands of students have been told not to go to pubs or parties this weekend after hundreds tested positive for the virus at universities across the country. You're listening to the Friday Morning Break with John Gibbs. My guests this week, Arnie and Fraser, and we're discussing their experience of being in year 13 when lockdown closed the schools in March 2020. So just as you've got through, well, coming through second year, sometimes about there are things of being normal. In your third year, when did you first hear that the lecturers, well, actually the industrial action by lecturers has been going on for a number of years, but it kicked in as a full-on boycott of marking towards the end of your third years. So we just before we started recording, you were telling us, you're telling me, Arnie, that, uh, and you, Fraser, that you're in a kind of limbo at the moment. Arnie, would you just like to explain again what's what, what the situation you're in? Um, I've essentially graduated, but I don't have a grade. Um, or I kind of I've graduated, but it's kind of more for fun, I guess, and not actual like official ceremony. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the situation I'm in. <laughs> just waiting on that indefinitely. So no no graduation ceremony, no. Touching of hat, touching of hands, pulling of fingers, all that stuff that yeah, goes on. Yeah, that's yeah. not going to happen. We still, we still had that kind of ceremony. We have to like hold the prolector's hand and everything like that. But it wasn't. It was weird because we kind of didn't have like um, a graduation certificate. Like when you walk out and you get like the certificate, we didn't really have that. Um, and yeah, I don't have any official grades. We didn't have any provisional grades either. Just kind of waiting until the boycott is done. Right, yep. goodness me. Now, Fraser, you're in the same boat. You're in limbo. I am in limbo. Um, I feel like I'm in a different sort of limbo 
I don't know how much Eddie can relate to this. So I have graduated. I have had my ceremony. Uh, I didn't really get to shake the person's hand. I had to like tip my hat, which I thought was strange. It kind of reminded me of COVID, where it's all like we had to do things differently. And I thought it was like a really specific thing in relation to the hands, because again, it reminded me of COVID, where it's all like there's, you can't have physical contact because of like, you know, a virus or something. So I thought that was like really strange, but I enjoy my ceremony. But coming out of it, coming out with a philosophy degree, uh, like a like a temporary pass, which I think about, as um i am in a limbo and it's this limbo of i wanted to take a year off to do nothing just to not burn myself out and jump immediately into a postgraduate thing to do something i actually wanted to do because i felt like i could do it without university because thinking back on the experience i had i was thinking i could achieve the stuff i want to achieve without university which is something that's very unique to this generation i think because in prior generations you would have needed a degree to go out and be do the career that you wanted to do. But now we're living in like a technological age where we can learn online and we can be more independent. We can learn by ourselves and that sort of stuff. Uh, that's interesting, Fraser, because you've come to the heart of something which is broader in a way. And when we talk about what's education for, and what school's for, what the, I don't think you're probably not the only person who's come through this and thought, what is that the university's for? Why, why do you need to go onto a campus and, you know, like set aside the 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 um, social experiences and so forth? The learning, if it's lifelong and it's always available, and the internet is there as the great resource of everything, in a sense, you can just be at university for the rest of your life, can't you? Just learning and learning and learning. <laughs> because, almost, sorry, it almost like that was a lesson in um, how how unnecessary all of the uh, getting together it was, you know, in a way, nice though it is. Yeah, John, I think our generation's in like a very unique position nowadays because of the internet and because to be, to be quite honest, the world is progressing too fast. And so people can't keep up with it. I don't think universities can keep up with how fast the world's going, like with the pandemic and how fast, I guess you could say we got off the pandemic. It's going too fast to the point where it's sort of like, we don't know what's going to happen next. You know, like maybe one day AI could progress to a point where it replaces some teachers, not all teachers, but maybe some, we don't know. And, and because the world's progressing too fast, you're potentially going to have people who don't want to go to university. It hasn't been able to encourage the things I found purposeful. That is absolutely. I think that, well, that, that in a sense is also beyond anything we might talk about lockdowns and industrial action. That's describing in a, in a sense, another thing that's been in the news, which is the new, which is the, a general mood. The prime minister announces that people should do maths all the way through the end of school or that we should uh, be, there should be an attack on on degrees that aren't worthwhile, and so on. So it's, it's almost as if there is a cultural shift towards being more um, more, more utilitarian. Things must have a purpose. Everything should be uh, about achieving something for the economy or getting someone to get a good job. Uh, as a philosophy student. <laughs> There might be lots of people listening to this thinking, yeah, what do you do with a, with a philosophy degree? You should have, you know, that, that, that must have cropped up all the way through your degree. It's almost like the purpose of that degree is to, well, it's, it's not very practical. And of course, 
human, social and political sciences, the same similar sorts of things. So you might well have both, regardless of whatever has happened, you might well both be sitting there now going, because I, I certainly remember it doing an English literature and history degree, thinking, now what? I mean, what exactly? What? <laughs> I remember going for a job interview where they, they said to me, um, I was just a temporary job. Can you type? No, I said very proudly. You can't type. Uh, do you shorthand? I can't do any shorthand. No, no, no. Do you have any office experience? None whatsoever. <laughs> and I realised I was very unemployable, but I did have a good understanding of early medieval history. And that was completely useless. So, uh, Arnie, do you have a sense in which, now what? what? What do I do with all this? Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of similar to Fraser, it's so weird because I feel like in university, especially for our year group, there was just really like no structure that like you could like, especially with online lectures and everything like that. Like there was no you didn't really have like a structured day and that kind of stuff. Like everything was very kind of sporadic. You would listen. I remember I would listen to lectures at like, you know, do all nighters, listen to them at like 4 a.m. before the dead, that kind of stuff, like just ridiculous. And I think it's kind of put me in a weird situation now where it's like, I feel like the life that I've been living for the past three years doesn't feel like a smooth transition into like adulthood with like a job and things like that. It's made the transition from being at uni to being like in the real world, especially much like more difficult because you didn't really have like the structure that you would do if you were at work mm. when you were at uni. It wasn't really meeting with like teachers, having lessons, having like a structured day and that kind of stuff. So I think in that kind of way, it's made the transition a bit more difficult. Did you? Um, I think as well, oh sorry, oh, I was just going to say like especially because of Covid and the way like the economy is just kind of tanked that kind of makes it even more difficult with like trying to find a grad scheme and stuff like that so yeah it's especially difficult at the moment. Many more families are going to lose loved ones before their time. It might be two weeks time, it might be four months time, it might be 12 months time, who knows. How on earth did it come to this? Did it come to this? Did it come to this? Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. You're listening to the Friday Morning Break with John Gibbs. My guests this week, Arnie and Fraser, and we're discussing their experience of being in year 13 when lockdown closed the schools in March 2020. Yes, it's true. That, I forgot that third whammy that said you guys, which is the economy <laughs> and uh, and a slowdown and all those those things as well. So it isn't a great time to to graduate into the world uh, and look for work. I mean, in your final years, I remember this being encouraged to go off to what they used to call it the milk round, when I was, which was uh, employers would come in and pitch their thing and you be encouraged to look to applying for the civil service or you'd look at uh, teaching or uh, whatever or you thought you'd think about possibilities of doing uh post-grad 
Well, of course, you, you can't really do that, can you? Because you, you don't know your results yet fully and you don't have a certificate yet. <laughs> but did you get much careers advice, Razor? Did you get people coming saying, well, Fraser, you philosophy, you know, you, you may not be a philosopher. You may not be able to do philosophy, but you can do this. Surprisingly enough, no. And I don't know whether it's because I wasn't really connected personally to those sorts of advisors. Like they were available, but I just chose not to go to them, if that makes sense. Or whether it's because I realized during university and even leading up to it, just because it, it feels weird because I chose philosophy just because I liked it during secondary school. But throughout this whole time, I wanted to be a therapist. I wanted to be a mental health coach. And so I'm still trying to put the pieces together between philosophy and talking to people and like helping them and talking about their lives, their experiences and that sort of stuff. And I think there is a link. I can definitely imagine it. But but people yeah, yeah, but people don't really talk to me about that as sort of like a careers thing. The main thing you'll see when it comes to philosophy as a careers thing, it's like, sure, there's a therapist, but the main thing is a teacher. You could become a lecturer. You could become a secondary school teacher teaching religion and ethics. It's weird, but it's hard for me to talk about what I'm passionate with in combination with what I did as a degree. I just found that to be like a really difficult experience. Yes, uh, I, I think it, it probably goes with part of our education system, which is so the often so academic, theoretical, and then turn that into something more practical. I, personally, I, I, I'd like to defend the world of pure ideas and say, well, okay, you may end up in all sorts of practical applications in the future and wonder whether your understanding of uh, Hegelian philosophy was any use at all, but it doesn't matter, it's useful yeah. to you is my argument. And I know that's being quite contested at the moment. So, Arnie, did you get a lot of careers advice? Or just advice? Um, kind of. Yeah, I, I got, like, careers advice, but mainly, honestly, through friends who are kind of applying to different stuff. I didn't... Like, I applied to, like, an internship in my second year, but even, like, the process of applying and things like that and even hearing about the program I heard about it from my friends I think at uni a lot of like the careers advice or yeah careers advice you're exposed to unless you like actively go out and find something you know advice specific to the situation you're in a lot of it is like banking consulting finance law a lot of industries that I wasn't like I didn't really have much knowledge about from my background and I didn't really understand like at all and think maybe this is just too far-fetched like for me to even think about applying for so I just kind of never really engaged with it and so both of you are in that what's it the David Copperfield the, the chap is always looking about him you're both looking about you now and deciding what to do in the future and some of that's been enforced upon you in this limbo we, we discussed you've been put in uh so Ali, where are you right now? You, you, you're both. You're both. Well, I would describe. You, you, I think you've both described what you're doing as gap years, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. Fraser, you, you're mm -hmm. you're deliberately putting off major yeah. decisions, and Ali, the same thing. Uh, so, how are you filling up your? How are you filling up your gap yeah. years, Ali? I've taken up quite a few hobbies. <laughs> I've started um, crocheting and stuff like that. So that's been fun. Having like some kind of like artistic outlet. Um, I'm in quite a like a fortunate position because I was able to like save up a bit of money throughout uni and so I'm hoping throughout this year probably just travel a bit 
see some friends. Some of my friends are in a year abroad right now, so I'd love to visit them. And then maybe do some teaching abroad and in the meantime, apply for a master's. Hopefully by that point, I'd know my grades. So that probably make things a bit easier and apply for perhaps like some graduate schemes and stuff like that and kind of see what, what comes great. of it. That sounds like a very nice mixture of travel, learning and crochet. What will you what will you carry away is one of the most the best things about going to uni. One thing I can one thing I can carry away is that I've used philosophy to get out of philosophy. And the biggest thing I've realized it, to sum up everything that I've learned is that logic doesn't change people, it's emotions. Emotions change people. And I think emotions is the reason why we might be in the limbo that we're in, because we can logically say, okay, at this point, we should be getting jobs, we should be in society, all that sort of stuff. Even even though we don't have our certificates, um, but as soon as we do get them, you know, it's logical to say, go find a job, go do what you want to do, that sort of stuff. But I think there's a lot more that goes to it. Because again, the world's changing really fast. Universities can't really keep up with it, in my opinion. And because of that, our emotions can make us stay in limbos and it yeah. can get us out of limbos. And I think that's something I learned a lot in my three years of uni. Well, Fraser, thank you for that. I think you've said something really quite profound about the nature of education there, actually. I think in many ways it seems so impractical. And so, especially the university experience, especially the kind of degrees you did, both of you, that might lead you to suspect a bit of emotional intelligence and the kind of skills that make us successful in life aren't taught at university, aren't found in lecture theatres or lecture halls or in books for that matter. However, I wouldn't swap my university years for any other years. I enjoyed them very much. So on a positive note, Arnie, you two, Fraser as well, have probably had what with a recession, cancellation of school, cancellation of exams, fiasco over exam marking, lockdowns at uni, and finally no degree at the end of it, or at least a delayed degree. Your generation has been fairly unlucky, it seems to me. However, can we take anything positive from this roller coaster, Arnie? I think, I think uni, I feel like, especially in our kind of situation, it really made me be in a position where I was able to deal with like the unexpected like from even getting the offer to not having the grades getting in and then kind of dealing with university life and like pushing myself out there and things like that I think that's probably like the biggest thing I would take away from my uni experience the ability to just kind of deal with the unexpected and to kind of like push myself out of my comfort zone well what, whatever happens in the future that won't happen again. <laughs> I mean, I, I know, I know that <laughs> pan pandemics are. You, you could have predicted this one, and government could have been better prepared, and that may well happen again, but not not necessarily in our lifetimes. I mean, it's a it's a thing that's maybe once a century. Who knows? Who knows? We, we can't see the future, but that probably won't happen again. But thank you. That that appears to me to be a good place to end our interview here on Teachers Talk Radio. And thank you, Arnie and Fraser for a really great discussion and uh, a real a real insight into something which I think is already beginning to seem like ancient history, like a different, almost a different world. I remember walking out of the house into the 
onto empty, empty roads and motorways without a car on them and so on. But maybe we're, we're hopefully we'll never see that again. So once again, Arnie Fraser, thank you. And that brings to an end this episode of the Friday Morning Break with John Gibbs. This week, my guests, Arnie Abdi and Fraser Soans, who were students in year 13 when the schools were closed, exams were cancelled and they went off to university into lockdown. It's been fascinating to hear their experiences looking back from what is beginning to seem, as I said earlier, like history, like a bit of history we lived through. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can find it again on Teachers Talk Radio or on Spotify and indeed many other platforms. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.